Hey, it's David Vincent, the voice of Gilgamesh from Fate Zero and Grim Jow from Bleach, and you are listening to Borderline. Hey guys, welcome to this week's episode of Borderline Podcast from Borderline Panels. I'm the host, Austin, here with a good amount of the Borderline crew. This is probably our biggest podcast lineup that I can think of, probably because we're we're doing this from Discord this week. And Ooh. if anything sounds like super laggy or people take a... Uh, a little bit to respond. It's because this is an experiment for us because most of our podcasts are done live when we're all in the same room. Uh, but that could not be done this time. Hope We'll try and do that as much as we can um, because I don't know about you guys, but I, I prefer to do it when we're all together. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. even though um, that can't always be a reality. But here I've got John with me. He's Hello. actually physically here with me. Yes. How, how are you doing, John? Uh, I'm okay. I'm with you, so I'm doing great. Well, thanks. I'm with you, so I'm doing great. <laughs> and we've got Ryan. Hello. And we've got Tori. Hi. And Marissa. Hello. So we've got the full crew here, except for a few of us. Um, but like I said, this is this is our biggest lineup so far, and uh, I'm really excited to have a wonderful conversation today about something that we all experienced recently, which was Animazement. We all went to uh, Animazement in Raleigh, North Carolina, for um, Marissa and Ryan went for the whole weekend. Tori and I went for two days, and John went for one day. Um, so we all got very um, different experiences at Animazement. Um, I had been going to Animazement. This is probably my sixth or seventh year. I think Tori and I have been going to Animazement for about the same number of years, even though we hadn't met yet. Wow. <laughs> Sounds about right. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> so I think I've been, been going since just after I graduated from high school. I think my first may have been 2012. Oh, okay, cool. Um, Marissa, you said this was your first year? Yep, this was my first year at AZ. Uh, I've been actually wanting to go to AZ since I was in middle school, Uh, but I was too young and my mom did not want to drive all the way up to Raleigh and stay in a hotel room. (laughs) So first time I was able to actually go. um, Have you always lived in Charlotte? Uh, pretty much my entire life I've lived here in Charlotte, besides being in Greensboro for college, so. Right. That's definitely a larger drive than literally any of the other of us have to make, so. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Three hours. Right. (laughs) I wanted to Uh, die. What about you, John? You've been to Animazement before, right? Yeah, this is my third time going, and uh, of the three, the first one was by far the best, probably because I was there for the longest, and Mm -hmm. was there for the longest, period. The second time, you know what happened. With that one, like a lot of driving Why back don't you and tell forth. Tell everybody. Oh my god! You roomed with me. And then, and then yeah, and, and then this weekend I was only there for a day, so like you know, it was good, but you know, I didn't really go to a whole lot of panels and didn't really get the whole experience this time. It's funny because this year you probably ended up being at the con more than you did <laughs> last, <laughs> last year. Yeah, oh, bad last year. That is very much. true. Poor boy had to like. For some reason, you volunteered to drive my brother to and fro because his car had, wouldn't run, and you had to go to a wedding. And that was just a bad. That was just a bad decision. <laughs> <laughs> that's 
that's all right. Uh, I had to go to a wedding whenever Shinichiro Watanabe was there, and I'm just oh. like, I wanted to shake your hand, but I have to go see people get married. <laughs> Gross. Womp womp. <laughs> right. Little plug for AZ in marriage. The Shamisen guy um, who was there, who's been apparently a guest of AZ for the past like five years, he recently got married to his childhood sweetheart. So, little shout out to that. Aww. They knew each other back in kindergarten. Wow. Dude, um, yeah. On top of that, <laughs> kind of like, somebody got proposed to at the Kingdom Hearts photo shoot, which was freaking adorable. <laughs> that always happens. There's always at least one con proposal, and people yeah. love it. <laughs> my my, my friends <laughs> definitely um i think one of our um one of our friends from a japanese club got a video of that proposal and we might put that up on the borderline page so you guys can check that out because i'm sure mm -hmm. it's super, i haven't seen it yet but i'm sure it's adorable as heck yeah ariel sent that to me um and i checked it out and it is indeed adorable Excellent. Awesome. Um, so we're just going to go through our thoughts about the convention, um, how it stacks up to other conventions, and how it stacks up to previous years of animazement. Um, so we'll go ahead and start off by talking about the guest list for this year. Um, I know there were a handful of guests that you got to have some interactions with, Ryan. Do you want to tell us about that? Yeah, um, I had interactions with three guests majorly. Um, I met David Vincent, who's the voice of Robin from Fire Emblem. I had him sign my copy of Awakening. He's mm. also Robin in Smash, but I didn't feel like digging that out. Uh, <laughs> he he's also the voice of like a lot of like a lot a lot of people in anime. Um, he's the narrator for JoJo. He is Archer slash um, Gilgamesh in Fate, among like a dozen others that I can't even remember off the top of my head. Rimjow. Yeah, and you should have heard his voice at the beginning of this podcast, actually. So, yes, that was actually him. We actually got him to record that. Yeah, we did. Um, <laughs> yeah, we went down there, and we were just like, hey, can you record this? And he was like, yeah, sure. And that was that was actually kind of awesome. That was really awesome. And one um, thing that the, um, the guests were doing this year, um, I'll let you finish your thought real quick after this, Ryan, but um, yeah. is they were doing... Um, I haven't signed up for it yet, but they're doing something to make themselves a little bit more interactive on social media. I think they've started either a Facebook chat or a Facebook group where fans of theirs... It's a group. Are, it's a group, okay. Where like fans of theirs can interact with them more directly and talk about like anime or talk about the industry, um, ask them any questions. And I thought that was a, that's a really neat experiment, and I hope that that's a positive thing that, that comes out of this. Yeah, um, David Vincent is the one who put, uh, put me in that direction. It's called Anime Unlimited, and the way you join it, it was really weird, actually. I thought it was a chat at first because you go into Facebook Messenger, and apparently Facebook Messenger now has like, like barcodes that you can scan similar to what Snapchat does. Mm -hmm. And I scanned that, and it sent me an invitation via the chat to join a group. And the group seems to be pretty okay so far. Um, the voice actors actually do directly interact with you guys, and they and they like ask a bunch of different questions, and they just basically facilitate discussion. And honestly, so far, it is the least weeby like anime centric group that I've been a part of on Facebook. I really think it's a good idea, and I really hope it succeeds. Yeah, um, for sure. That sounds amazing. Yeah, well, I'll definitely I'll see if I can put a link to the description in the uh, podcast, but I don't know if it's invite only because of just how weird it was for me to get there. But we'll figure that out. But um, 
more guests. Uh, the really cool thing that also happened for me, two things actually. Um, last year at Triad, I had the pleasure of meeting Little Karibo, and I bought a Frieza Funko uh, Pop for him to sign because he was the voice actor for Frieza and DBZ Abridged. And he signed, uh, it, this is explicit, but I'm going to say it anyways, just because it's DBZ abridged. He signed it saying, if you see Vegeta, tell him I said, like a bitch. <laughs> and, um, Iconic. <laughs> yeah, I loved it. it. It's one of my favorite lines for him. And um, this year they had not one, but two voice actors for Frieza. They had Linda Young, who's the original English voice actor, not the current one in um, Super, mm. as well as uh, Ryusei Na- uh, Nakao. I'm terrible at pronunciation. Got it. And got he it. was the original Japanese voice actor. Both of them signed my Frieza pop, so now I have three of Frieza's voice actors on that thing. Nice. Yeah, yeah I, re- I really like it. It's it's awesome, and hopefully I can get the Super one eventually if he ever actually makes uh, appearances. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think that's um, Chris Ayers, if I recall correctly, is his name. It is, yeah. The is best Greg part. <laughs> it is actually. <laughs> oh my oh, god. It is? Okay, cool. Yeah, they're they're related. They're brothers. The Two best part of that interaction, though, I was wearing my Saiyan armor at the time, and my Saiyan armor is made out of a yoga mat that we cut up and glued together and painted with just acrylic paint. And I didn't think it would turn out nearly as well as it did, so I was really happy about that. First of all. But he looks at me and goes, oh, Vegeta. <laughs> <laughs> and they both complimented him. I was just like, oh, thank you so much. And internally, I was just like, holy crap. Two voice actors just complimented my cosplay. Noticed you. <laughs> yeah, Yoga cosplay. Noticed me. It was really cool. And it wasn't even complete. I didn't have a full bodysuit because I didn't have time. But I was just wearing the armor, and it looked really good. And they complimented it, and I was on, I was on cloud nine for like ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> on uh, Nimbus cloud nine. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh my gosh, really? Yeah, sure, we'll go with that. <laughs> <laughs> um, did anybody else have any interesting interactions with uh, the guests that they wanted to talk about? Um, I guess I'll go ahead and kind of talk. I the guests that I really enjoyed and kind of had an interaction with was. Uh, they actually had two groups of groups, kind of in a way. One was a group, one was a single guy of Tate performers, which is uh, like stage sword fighting. So those things that you find in those really old samurai films where they oh, over-dramatize yeah. the, the deaths and the flourishes of the sword. That's what Tate is. And they had, the Jackables were so much fun. Um, they're, I did they're see this, them. They were really cool. They were awesome. There's uh, a group of Four people, three guys and a girl. The girl was wonderful. Uh, <laughs> but they brought everyone on up and kind of taught them through... Huh, made a minor pun. But um, kind of helped teach them Tate. And it was just really funny. And I fangirled heavily on Sunday because they had a world-renowned cosplayer who won the World Summit last year in... I believe it's in either Osaka or Nagoya uh, with his cosplay performance. He So he did a small, short, little Tate performance by himself while in cosplay from Token Rambu, and I died. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep. I think, uh, I think he, I saw him. I'm not sure. I, I, I think I might video. have seen him going around. Yeah, I have the video. I can. We can maybe eventually put it on the Facebook page. That'd be kind of cool. It's yeah, really short. Um, but 
uh, Jesse and I got a picture with him afterwards. Like, I wasn't sure if they were just going to, like, rush him off because he was only there for 15 minutes. Uh, his perform his short little performance and his Q&A session. And, but his managers and everyone was like, oh, yeah, that's fine. Multiple people are taking pictures with him, and he was wonderful. He was really sweet. But, yeah, so that was kind of my guest interaction with I actually do have a tangent um, now that you mentioned getting a picture with them. When I was in line for the uh, two Frieza's, I was three people from the front of the line. And a lot of people were like going behind, taking pictures with like various merch and whatnot. And the AZ assistant or whatever <laughs> comes up to all of us and he's like, hey, so I know people have been taking pictures of them, but they have somewhere they need to be in about 20 minutes. And this line's pretty long and I want to make sure that they get to see everybody. So please do not ask for pictures. And I was like, really? Yeah. Wow. I was so uh, close. Uh, <laughs> at least it's not as bad as, um, oh, I didn't write his name down on my sheet. But the the Japanese voice actor for Sanji, they had signs leading up and into the autograph session that says, please do not take pictures of him at all. <laughs> no pictures. Don't like sneakily take a picture. Like you can't take a picture physically with him. And you only, the first 60 people could get an autograph. It was like a pre-signed autograph. He does not appear wow. on film. <laughs> it was a pre-signed <laughs> autograph. So that was a little disappointing. Yeah. And that was, that was weird. That was really weird. I'm. It's not him. I'm guessing it was probably his management, but he seemed really nice. He seemed like a really nice, funny guy. Because if you look at his picture on the AZ page, he just has this big, cheesy grin on his face. So Was that the guy who <laughs> wouldn't sign anything but the... Um, yeah, the, the signboards. Yeah, the signboards. It was a, a pre-made signboard with the date and everything on it. And you wrote your name on a little piece of paper and handed it to him. And then he would just write your name and wrote San and, Kata, uh, and Hiragana. And that was it. I was like, okay. That doesn't sound like <laughs> to me personally. So he only probably gave out like 120 autographs in total. Oh, ish. Wow. I think he only had two autograph sessions, if I recall. Yeah, he only had two. Jeez. Interesting. Mm -hmm. He had one by himself. And then he had one with um, Eric Vale. One other little um, fun guest interaction that Ryan and I had just sort of off the cuff and randomly. Um, at the end of the day on Sunday, we were about to leave the con because we had just gotten out of the uh, how to panel panel run by AZ staff, which we'll talk about in a minute because mm -hmm. that was really cool. Yeah. Um, we were just walking in the lobby and I happened to see from afar somebody cosplaying as Char from Gundam. And I looked a little bit closer and realized that that was Masuo Ueda, the president of A1 Pictures. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, a, yeah. Yeah, because he was a guest at the con uh, this year. He had been a he uh, he had been a guest at the con at least last year, uh, maybe a few years before. Um, but he was taking a picture of a Madoka Magica cosplayer out there. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my gosh, Ryan, we got to go take a picture with that guy. He helped make Anohana. And I love that. <laughs> and, uh, he also last... then followed with going, yeah, he also helped make Sword Art. And I was like, why would I want a picture with him? <laughs> no, 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 he, no, no. he cosplays as Kirito, too. So yeah. He does, but yes. He's such a nerd. I love that. That was I saw him at his signing, and I was like, you, you are such a nerd, and you're awesome, and you're like yeah. a corporate head. Yeah. No, nah, he was a yeah. really cool guy. Yeah, I really, I really respect that. And um, I, I felt bad. So yeah, that was a fun little... Yeah, I felt bad because he was walking out the door, and I was like, wait, quick, and I like tap him on the shoulder, and I was like, I'm so sorry, can we get a picture, please? And he was like, absolutely, and then took a picture and then left. 
Yeah. Truly that's, excellent that's, interaction. <laughs> that was a pretty wonderful random little thing. It was, yeah. Um, any other guest comments anybody had or thoughts related to the guests? Do we want to address the elephant uh, in the room? Well, I'm small small little comment, but I noticed there was really decent amount of cultural and Japanese guests that came and I know AZ's been from what I've kind of seen doesn't like to bring in very many like western voice actors or people connected to more of like the American scene but at the same time it just felt when it came to guests it just kind of felt flat I felt okay. compared mm -hmm. to other cons that I've been to where like triad had Johnny Young Bosch like I don't yeah. think he's been over to the east coast or at least North Carolina in a really 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 long time so that was really nice and a lot of the guests that have come to AZ um, have been repeats. Uh, the Rakugo guy, the Jackables, the Double Dutch team, the astronaut guy. A lot of these people have come year after year. Noise for like the 50th time. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe AZ, like I love AZ likes to focus mainly on Japanese culture and does respect um, a lot of the Western fandoms, but wants to focus on that. But maybe getting some other people <laughs> they only up, had, it, just, well, it just seemed a little dull or... yeah, voice actor wise for the japanese uh audience specifically they only had like two people i think the rest mm -hmm. of them were like culture people and for the most part like i don't really know cultural icons in japan that much because it's a lot to focus on and you have to know the language in order to appreciate it which i don't so I had no idea who like half those people were and I'm like, I'm sure that's awesome. I just don't really care because I don't know who they are, but I'm sure it was right. a big deal for people who actually did know them. But yeah, the voice acting cast was kind of lackluster compared to other cons, but I still thought they had a pretty decent lineup for what they had. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was lackluster just compared to itself. Cause I mean, I remember two years ago, they had the pretty much the entire DBZ cast for both the Western and the Japanese uh, versions of the anime right. together. Yeah, right. they even I think that I think that specific yeah, thing took like a lot to work out, though. And I know they've had the voice actors for big special event, but like you know, Sean Shamley, he doesn't do uh, conventions like that. So that no, was like really. a, so that was like a huge deal. And I have like one of the best stories because of him. So like, <laughs> for, so yeah, I, I, yeah, I can see that. So I don't think that's necessarily like. Um, the direction they always headed in as far as like focusing more on the Japanese as opposed to the Western. But um, maybe they just struggled this year with trying to get guests together because mm -hmm. there's always a lot going on with people. Maybe there's like scheduling conflicts. You never really know. And you got to think too, like um, for the past few years, at least animazement has been consistently like blowing, at least me, like blowing me out of the water in terms of like the high, the high caliber of guests that they've been able to get. And I know I'm not the only one that thinks that way because some of the guests in the past couple of years have just been absolute standouts. Like the DBZ event was amazing. The year after that, Studio Trigger was there, including yep. the guy who created and directed Little Witch Academia. And then the year after that, they had um, Shinichiro Watanabe, who's like one of my personal heroes. <laughs> and, like, and then after that, they had Aya Hirano, who like really doesn't really do a whole lot of uh, convention. Of it, yeah. And she's, she's super famous. Um, so I just see this as like a transitory year for Animazement. It's probably just one of those things where they sat down and thought, you know, guys, we've had these really, really hefty years for many years in a row. Maybe this is just the year that we try and cool it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, final comment on guests. Do we really <laughs> want to address the elephant in the room? Uh, yeah. Do you, do you want to just give the context? Slightly. And then, Tori, yeah. you have a little bit more of uh, detail on that if you want to discuss that. But we don't want to get the, we don't, disclaimer, we don't want to get into this issue too heavily yeah. because we don't know a whole lot. This is just mm-hmm. an issue that has presented itself on social media and in the animazement. Yeah. We it's figured so, it's speculation on our end. Yeah. Th- yeah, this is a lot of speculation, but what we have heard from a lot of different sources, uh, it seems that uh, Eric Vale got into a kerfuffle with the RCC staff, the uh, Raleigh Convention Center staff, about not having a badge, and he pulled the whole, don't you know who I am? I'm Eric Vale. And they were like, well you don't have a badge and we literally are trained to be like no badge, no entry, which personally I get, but he, it was a whole mess. And before con staff could come and resolve the situation, apparently he just stormed off. Now, Tori, do you want to say the other half of that? Uh, yeah. Um, so what I've collected from different sources, mostly, you know, reputable seeing as they come from staff and people that are on really good terms with staff. Um, uh, the reason he didn't have a badge was because he overheard a kid and their family discussing the fact that the kid lost the badge. Um, this was a younger kid, too, like 11, if I remember reading correctly. So he gave this kid his badge so they wouldn't have to buy another one because I guess he figured, you know, I'm a guest. I can get him in here no matter what, which, you know, to some degree makes sense. But that's not when you're dealing with RCC staff. Slight absolutely correction, not when you're dealing with RCC staff because they are crazy. And I have so many horror stories about RCC staff that that could be a whole. Yeah. Also, it's not like they're going to know who Eric Vale is, but also. Right. The girl didn't um, just lose it. It was actually stolen from her. Okay. Oh. Okay. Oh. But um, the, the parents did make a comment about that's what had happened. And, um, you know, I've heard from multiple staff members that that's what happened. Um, but at the same time, I also heard that, you know, he was showing his face on the programming to RCC staff and they were still like, no, but you know, that's hearsay. I don't know if that's true or not. It's a lot of, it's a lot of hearsay and there's, it it basically was just a big like explosion that Mm -hmm. just dominated social media because social media loves controversy, but absolutely. And I think it was kind of at the point where people were just like taking anything they could get to like crap on animesman at that point mm-hmm. so yeah and as reputable panelists um i want we kind of want to say like do not place any blame on az at no. all it seems to have been the um obviously the security staff for the convention center and they were just doing their job um so and especially with all of the <laughs> the scary things that have been going around in the world uh security is very tight um, so they're not going to let anyone in, even if they have like show ID. So yeah, especially on that though, I highly doubt we're going to be seeing Eric Vale at Animazement ever again. Probably not. I think this is going to make a huge impact from now on, like on the guests that they can get because like, I mean, he's like, he, he knows he's a lot pulled. of people. 
he's he's mm-hmm. got the final word. All he has to be, all he has to say, essentially, is like, hey, you know, I had a bad experience there. I don't think you should waste your time going there. And, I mean, I feel like that could put a good dent in what anime can do in future years. But then again, we want to, just want to say again, this is all very speculation. And we really won't know what happens until we get more information, if we ever get more information. Yes. Which, not. at this point, I really doubt we ever will. Yeah. Right. So at this point, it's it's kind of a done deal. It already happened. There were mistakes that were made clearly, and I think we should just you know rem- remember this, but move on. Yep. Right. All right. Um, so next topic then. Next topic. Um, do you guys want? I'll let you go ahead and talk about the artist's alley and the dealer's room if you want to take that topic. Yeah, uh, Marissa, why don't you start us off with that? Uh, what uh, did you What did you think about the artist's alley and dealer's room, and what did you get? I um I Tori can take this one. I, I mentioned her, but Marissa, if you want to start, that's oh fine. I didn't hear. Oh, sorry, you cut I didn't out. hear Tori. <laughs> Did I cut out? Okay. My bad. No, it's oh. okay. Um, yeah. well, <laughs> you Tori, get next ahead, promise. Yeah, Tori, you can go. Go okay, ahead. Okay, sure. Um, I know the big. Okay, let me let me start with the positives here first off. Okay, cool. Um, so I found some really cool stuff in the artist alley. Um, as I've gone along in my convention years, I tend to find myself buying more stuff in the artist alley um, because you know I'm a frequent buyer with Amiami. Uh, we're on good terms. We're good. I keep them in business. Um, yep. So, so I don't I don't like to buy another things. certain business. <laughs> 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 I don't like to buy things in the dealer's room much anymore unless I find a really good deal just because it's either A, bootlegged, or B, completely overpriced. But different issue, you know. So, um, bought a lot of good stuff in the Artist Alley. Got some prints. I got a nice little lanyard. Um, The Artist Alley felt kind of sparse this year compared to what I remember last year. But, like, to be fair, Saturday and Sunday of Animazement are kind of a blur because I was so tired. (laughs) (laughs) So, basically, uh, the entire time you were there. Absolutely. So, but, like, it felt really sparse this year. Um, One of my good friends who uh, was one of my old coworkers, um, he usually gets a table. And um, I kind of caught up with them on Sunday before they left. And um, he kind of had some issues that I personally hadn't even thought about until he brought up, but um, they got waitlisted for a table, and usually protocol with an amazement is um, they hold the table for the waitlist person, they have 30 minutes to show up, and then once that person does not show up within 30 minutes, it goes to the next one, same thing, next one, same thing. Um, So if they come to find out that they were like third on the waitlist, and they held the second person's table for like almost three hours while they drove from (gasps) out of town. Wow. Wow. Yes, which I think is insane. I would have been, like, pitching a fit. I would have been mad. Yes, um, but, you know, I can't speak to those things because I've never run an artist alley table, so I'm sure there's other factors that go into that, but, like, at the same time, if you say your table allotment for the wait list is 30 minutes, it should be 30 minutes. Yeah, Yeah. because I noticed even, like, like, afternoon when I went to artist alley, there were... a couple of tables throughout that weren't even claimed. I'm like, right. And artist alley setup is on, th- like you can set up on Thursday or set up like Friday morning. Right. And most people have everything set up by then. Mm-hmm. And I saw an artist running in at like 11 with her stuff oh, to geez. go set up her table. Oh, I'm like, Oh wow. <laughs> it um, could have been one of the waitlisters. I don't really know, but yeah. Yeah. And, um, 
Hold on, I'm trying to find the status that was posted about it so I can get a ex better explanation of it. But um, there was also a lot of complaints from the friend of mine about proxy sellers, um, which if you I guys are I did notice that a lot. Yes, which if you guys aren't familiar with that, hold on. Um, let me, let me find where he explained this. A proxy seller is someone who runs a table and sells artwork for multiple artists. They usually have a ton of low-cost prints, but there's a high risk of them actually selling stolen artwork as there's almost no way to verify that they have a deal with the original artist. So apparently, oh, wow. that was yeah, that was very rampant in the artist alley. Oh, man. Um, I mean, I personally didn't know it, like, realize it, but I think that was just because, like, I wasn't paying, you know all that much attention anyway like the only time i ever stopped was if something happened to catch my eyes i was walking by um, and you know that's an interesting thing to bring up because you know usually usually you can spot pretty well or enough people know how to spot pretty well bootleg versions of like official merch but it's a yeah. lot harder to navigate the world yeah. of fan art because it's just like well all of it is technically non-official so yeah. there's really no way to be able to accurately verify to a super degree like if someone is selling their art or right. selling the art of someone else. yeah, oh, yeah, I, yeah. I, I did i hadn't notice, even thought about that but that makes a lot yeah. of sense now that you mentioned that mm -hmm. but uh going on proxy art i noticed some artists it's really obvious like okay all these prints are definitely theirs because there's a distinctive style with right. how they draw them. But Starless. now that you uh -huh. mention it, um, there was like a couple of people that I was like, I swear I've seen that art on Tumblr like months ago, but it doesn't really match up with the rest of the art style that's kind of going along with this. Mm -hmm. Artists, certain artists have distinctive styles when it comes to things. Yeah. And also, um, upsetting. But I did kind of get something that was proxy. They, um, there was someone who was selling they had two doujinshis um <laughs> one was yuri nice and one was uh evangelion and uh andrew had bought the evangelion one at ichi like two years ago uh -huh. i believe because he wasn't there this year he was there the last one because of japan but i'm like oh i know this artist it's the same artist and they only had those two and the rest were their prints and they're like oh we're selling it for our friend who's at fanime which was another con. They were just kind of like trying to sell some of her other work. I'm like, that's that's a little different when it comes to proxying because you're specifically selling it for a friend instead of taking someone else's art, which is right. Odd. Right, that's entirely yeah. different. My experience with that, like, they are upfront about it too. They're not claiming that they drew it, which is a good thing, mm -hmm. I guess. So I kind of trust mm -hmm. those people a little bit more because yeah. I went I went up to one of the artists and I like to talk to the artists just because you mm -hmm. know, it, it. I like talking to people. So I mentioned, like, I really like this one uh, Joker print that I bought, Joker from Persona 5, because he literally, like, popped off the page. It was so cool. And so I looked at her, and I was like, how the heck did you do that? Because I really like this. And she's like, I would love to be able to tell you, but this is actually my boyfriend's art. I'm just selling it for him because he couldn't come. And I oh, was yeah. Like, I think I ran um, okay. But so, see, yeah. like... So I saw, I saw a lot of those. And honestly, from a business standpoint as well, it makes sense, like... Mm -hmm. If you can't be there, hire somebody to sell your art. Absolutely. You'll still make money. Right, but that's yeah, entirely like, different than being a proxy. Yeah, seller. that's what I was right, just about Right, but that's to kind say. of what was going on in my mind. Mm -hmm, uh -huh. yeah. But that, yeah, awesome. that seems. Shout out. Um, I just want to give a shout out to Firefly Ray. I love your shirt. 
I love her you art. Work. <laughs> <laughs> Listening to this podcast, we're all fans. Very distinctive art. So definitely not proxy. <laughs> yeah. No, I actually, personally, I thought that Artist Alley had, like, a fair amount of diversity this year. Like, it was oh, definitely yeah. not nearly oh, yeah. as big. Because they took that entire front chunk for the art auction uh, this year. And I don't there was a ton of space in the back, too, that they weren't there using was, either. Yeah. There, were a lot, there were a lot less artists than usual, and it was kind of odd, but... I guess it just kind of happens. But <laughs> the one thing I noticed, ton of Overwatch, ton yep, yep, of yep, Yuri, yep. and a ton of just like Persona. Yes. And personally, oh, I bought, I indulged in all of that. I got a, <laughs> oh, a yeah. 5 Joker print that I mentioned. I got a Soldier slash Reaper print from that Overwatch. That was such a pretty print. Mm-hmm. And I also Man, got a Genji Hanzo fun. print, which was like, so cool and i got a kingdom hearts group print for free because i bought two nice. from one of the artists and I- lots of uh lots of jojo stuff too shout out there was, yeah. yeah um i got a gosh what did i get i think i only bought prints from one person it was a like a decent sized ramen rim from re-zero um <laughs> i got like a listen they're cute <laughs> um i got a small nozomi this really like angelic nozomi she was so beautiful and then i got this cute little um kana from dragon maid in a yukata and she has like like a bunch of little festival like items around her super cute and um then i walked by this booth and um this girl had like little um plants on her table and i happened to look over and i saw this little like silent hill 3 sticker in there and i was like whoa that's from you know silent hill 3 and she was like do you want this i was like what she was like yeah anytime somebody notices one of these like i give them out and that that made my day so you know yeah besides the few like weird things going on in there here and there like i had a pretty good experience with the artist alley i think I meant mm-hmm. to uh, I meant to find you two when I saw this, but did uh, Tori and Austin? Did you see the guy who had the unit zero, one, and two thing, like the um, and a giant poster? You're gonna have to describe it a little bit better. I'm sorry. It, it was, was like it a like very the... artistic. Uh, it was a very artistic depiction, like they were in a sunset of from Evangelion, unit yeah. zero, unit one, and unit two. I don't think I caught that. No, I didn't either. Because I had meant to find you because I didn't see that until like thirty minutes before Artist Alley closed, and then also he gave me the price for all three of them, and it was like a sixty dollars poster, and I was like, eh, oh. they're not gonna go for that. Yeah. Um. The only <laughs> the only art I remember seeing that was Ava related was like a bunch of Kaoru and Shinji stuff, mm-hmm. and then um, excuse me, there was like one booth towards the back that had these like really creepy like silhouettes of Unit One and Unit Two like in I did Berserk mode. One, yeah. Those were pretty radical. Ooh, like. Yeah. Now this one, if I ever see him again, I will immediately send you a picture because I know you would love it. It was just like really expensive. <laughs> was yeah. Gendo on it? No, it was just the three robots. Then I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> he actually did have a Gendo print, but he didn't have. Oh my the, gosh, uh, really? <laughs> yeah, but he didn't have the Cyclops visor. Oh man, that's the best one. Anyway, <laughs> um, dealer's room, really quick. I really only have one thing to say because basically, um, it was very similar to every other dealer's room experience. Uh, Funimation, if you're listening to this, I love you very, very much, and I want the best for you. But I think what the best for you is is that you lower your convention prices to at least below Walmart price 
because uh, I'm going to be at the convention. I would like to get a really good deal on Nichijo on Blu-ray so I don't have to yeah. pay retail price to get that box set. So yeah. it would be awesome if you guys had like, oh, I don't know, a 20% off convention rate or a 30% off convention rate or something like that. Um, because I was at Walmart just last night and I saw um, the new release One Piece Film Gold uh, for sale at Walmart for 20 bucks. And I oh, wow. think I saw it at um, at the con for like 25 or 30 bucks. And I'm just oh, like, yeah. guys, if, we, if we've turned out at the con, it's just like that would be a wonderful time for you guys to like move merch at a very reasonable price and you will gain massive brownie points with me and every other fan. So shout yeah, out to I mean, Discotech. <laughs> you know, like, you know the, yeah. the, like, the whole thing, if you knock off $5 off the price, people will still buy it because it's $5 off and you'll make money that way where you normally wouldn't. Absolutely. But, Besides that, I actually personally have a lot to say about the dealer's room, so everybody else go first. I will save all my comments for last. Okay. All right, well, let's try and keep this topic brief because we do have a couple more things to do, mm -hmm. so let's hopefully not dwell on this for too long, but I definitely want everybody to say what they need to say. Okay, um, I'll just say I actually didn't buy much from the dealer's room. I really only bought most of my stuff from Artist Alley. Uh, like Tori said, after you go to cons, you start to kind of stop buying things from dealer's room because Amy Amy is wonderful yeah. <laughs> and takes all my money. But uh, one of the things that I recently got into was Nindroids uh, because the token Rambu Nindroids are the most adorable things ever. Hey. And Aww. they're so cute. Uh, uh, so I noticed one of the dealers, I, I don't remember if I part, no, I didn't purchase from them at a previous con, but they had a fairly rare Nindroid. Like, uh, he's so he's a popular character in the series, and no one wants to get rid of him because everyone loves him. So there's not very much like resale value on him. And I asked how much it was, and he said eighty dollars for an Nindroid. I was like, wow. Nah, fam, Nah, fam, I'm out. Nope, uh, nope, uh, not doing that. So I eventually like wandered around. It's rare. That's yeah, well, it's, it, but it's no. rare they get that expensive. It depends on what it is, mm -hmm. but different topic. But, right. Continuing right, on, I wandered around a little bit more. Noticed that people had some Nindroids ranging from like forty-five to like fifty for Token Rambu, but I was like, I might go and grab them, grab one, but we'll see. And then I saw one of the dealers had well-priced stuff. Um, some of their small figures, I think, were a little too overpriced, but. Small figures are hard to price because you either get like tiny and pay like fifteen dollars for like a figure that's maybe a couple inches, or you are going like in the hundred dollar value for these like intricate <laughs> figures. Oh. But I found a equally rare and beloved character for only fifty five, and I said, okay. I and I've looked on Amazon, and he goes for like eighty five, ninety dollars on Amazon. Uh -huh. And I'm like, no. Uh, so I bought him up, and I was so happy that I got like a nice. decent deal on that character. And he is currently enjoying his tea on my desktop. <laughs> I want to talk about what happened to you with Shinobu. Oh, my God. I was just thinking about that. I looked up, and she's haunting me from my shelf now. <laughs> okay, so, uh, Marissa, did you need to say anything else? But I was just going to say, like, a lot of dealers you'll find good prices for like uh jesse found rubber straps for only five dollars each which is that's good very wow. good price i sell like my rubber straps online for about seven because of 
shipping. Um, so five to seven dollars for a birch tap is really good compared to some that were selling like Yurian Ice merch for like 15 and they were still blind boxes. I was like, no. Oh, um, some over, some dealers really overprice their merch and then others actually have still actually do have reasonable prices, which is is nice to have those reasonably priced things that you can't find on Amiami or Amazon anymore because of them being older. So, yep. Yeah. And then shout out to Lost Ark. <laughs> yeah. I was I was going to mention them in my thing as well. But, All right, Tori, Tori on to your Shinobu Tori. story. Okay. So my general rule at cons is after I've made two laps in the dealer's room and I cannot find anything right away, I default to either a Monogatari figure or a Sonico <laughs> figure, sometimes both if I'm feeling extra cheeky. So, <laughs> so I could not find anything. So I happened to this booth that I have purchased from before because they tend to have moderately, uh, uh, hold on, they tend to have like good priced figures for, you know, what I'm looking for. So I look down, and there's this very nice Shinobu, and I'm just like, I love her. I'm going to get her. And then I was like, mm, I'll wait. And the lady at the table is just like, listen, this is our last one. So if you want it, get it. And that is all she had to say to me. <laughs> <laughs> so without hesitation, I bought it. And thankfully, it was indeed the last one, because I've had doers tell me that before. And then I come back an hour later, and magically, somehow, there's another one on the table. Yeah, I hate that. Um, so I buy it. Austin did not try to stop me at all, mind you. <laughs> I I gave you a, a decent way to think about it, but you're right. I didn't. I wasn't too impressed. <laughs> so then I turn around to the booth behind me, look down, and for ten dollars more, there is a way better Shinobu. <laughs> oh no! I was mad. <laughs> But um, but to honestly, clarify, this is like a figure of like adult Shinobu from the movies. So it's pretty. There's not that many figures, if I recall, right, like Tori? Shinobu no. from what? Monogatari. Monogatari. Okay. So right now, the theme I have going on on my shelf is a uh, Shinobu through the ages because <laughs> um, I have very young Shinobu, uh, middle adult Shinobu, and if I had gotten that one, that would have almost completed the set because that was adult adult Shinobu. So. Um, but yeah, so the lesson to be learned here is even after you've done two laps, do one or two more because, <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> yeah you will I buy something too. and then immediately regret it. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I'll go ahead with my comments now. So yeah, I will always don't do something. A, Ryan, don't you have a story? I, I'm going to get into all of it. Okay, um, <laughs> well, I just want to say I got, I got, I, the only thing I bought was Blu-rays basically. So my story is not interesting. John, did you get anything? Oh, uh. But I, but when Marissa mentioned figurines, that did remind me of one interesting, like weird thing I noticed. So like, uh, we had made a turn down one of the uh, alleyways, and like it was just like the sketchiest kind of like I felt like I was going like through like a, a, a back alleyway in New York City. Like mm -hmm. it was just really sketchy. Mm -hmm. But that's where like all the high priced items were. We sound like like a guts figurine for like six hundred dollars oh, back there. It's like. Why is all this high-priced stuff in such a sketchy place? Like, who um, thought this was a good idea? So I thought it was weird that, you know, it didn't have, like, its own space for, like, that kind of high-dollar items. Because I'm uh -huh. like, Th this no, this should not be here. This is a I'm wrong starting place. a GoFundMe for that Guts figure. <laughs> <laughs> all right, yeah. go ahead, Ryan. <laughs> so 
this dealer's room was kind of pretty much typical of a con for me, except our friends at Lost Ark were there, so shout out to Lost Ark. Um, they were doing a really unique thing, which I like, called an Ichiban Kuji, which is basically a Japanese raffle where you buy a ticket, peel it open, get a prize corresponding to the letter. And I bought two of those tickets, and I got two Monster Hunter um, keychains. And nice. those were really cool to me because they were really good quality, even though they were just the keychains, but the prize potential was, like, super high. They were rubber oh. straps, right? Yeah, they were rubber straps. Yeah, because I saw them on the bed and was like, what did he get? Yeah. Yeah, they <laughs> Peace were also, in your blind boxes. Yeah, they were also doing a Pokemon Kuji, which uh, I know Sarah got a couple things for. That's and so they sold out of both of those, I think, on the first day. Wow. wow. Yeah. Really? It, it's the most unique thing that's ever been at a con dealer. I will I will say that yeah. with firmness. Like, I've never seen anybody doing that at a con before. And that was really cool. And apparently um, that's a large staple of, like, Japanese, Japanese, like, merch sellers and merch stores is they will do stuff like this all the time. Yep. But yeah. it's just it's so weird that that has not really crossed over into convention culture. Especially when they're trying to push so hard for like the whole Japanese culture and trying to get that in. Right. right. Well, Dan's been doing those at the store itself for like a couple months now. So he's tested them and they work. People love them. Yeah. I think they really are quite excellent. Yeah. I think the closest thing we do have in the dealer's room to like the Shibankujis is like the blind boxes, like the mystery bags full of things that you can get but a lot of the times it's literally the stuff they can't sell yeah it's the stuff they can't sell because poor edwin has gotten the same like figure like same like doll of like a magical girl like ray earth i think is what it is two years in a row i'm like okay no i never don't ever buy grab bags don't ever buy them unless they're because i only i know the only grab bag i would probably ever buy is from the people that sell like those cute like um, the fox and llama plushies, because you're usually going to get something good from them because it's just going to be one of like their smaller things. So, but I don't like them. They're kind of sketchy. <laughs> <laughs> Understandable. So, yay. But like the Ichiban Kujis are everywhere um, in Japan. You go to an animate and they have at least like seven of them mm-hmm. at one time. Did and you you're just like, any of those in Japan? no, because I didn't know what they were. Oh, <laughs> there were a ton of things. Because I would walk in, especially. Um, well, the anime in uh, around Hakata, well, not Hakata, um, in Tenjin Station was about only one floor, so it was kind of small. But there's usually like things like all over the walls of like figures or stuff coming out soon, I think, or they might have been Ichiban Kuji. I have no idea. There's so many things in animates that I'm like. I, I don't have the time to read all this kanji. Yeah, <laughs> so, cool. yep, I just kind of bought what was in the store at the time. So so are you guys yeah. ready to switch topics from the dealer's room to another? No, I've got like two oh, more yeah, things thing. that I want to Okay, yeah, yeah. We interrupted so, a little. Best Sorry. thing that happened was I met a video game dealer there, and this is the guy who had Pori in the House DS game listed as a very rare anime game for $100. Um, <laughs> joke, honestly. <laughs> yeah, he told me he told me he, if anybody was actually interested, he would sell it for like three because that's what he paid for it. But he, <laughs> funny. Um, but he was a really nice guy, and he was a he was a fellow collector, so he was actually selling things for a really good price. And I managed to pick up an import translated copy of Fire Emblem The Binding Blade for $15, which is wow. unheard of. That was like the best deal that I got the entire con. And I also picked up Mario Sunshine for twenty bucks, so I was happy. I bought, yeah. um, I bought two of the live action Roroni Kenshin Blu-rays from that same guy. Oh wow! Um, and they were both um, 
not scratched at all. They both had the Blu-ray and the DVD in there. Um, the only bad part was he didn't have the slip sleeves, and the second one wasn't there. I got the first and the third one, um, but that is a minor complaint. So, yeah, yeah. shout out to that guy for uh, for some pretty good deals all around, it seems. The biggest complaint, and you can back me up on this because you were there, dealers' rooms now have to be able to compete with the internet because the internet is so readily available to us that like a lot of dealers need to start lowering their prices. But more importantly, people need to start being aware of how to spot bootlegs. We mm, went yes. to one stand, and I will name them so people know not to ever buy from them, Jukebox Imports. If you see them, do not buy from them. They had anime CDs, they had anime DVDs, they had games. Austin and I, both Kingdom Hearts fans, we saw the original soundtrack for Kingdom Hearts for $40, which if you actually find that, that's a pretty good deal. Upon closer inspection, we looked at it and we were like, wait a minute. This slipcover is literally on printer paper. It was way too wow. like sketchy looking for me to ever want to take the risk of paying $40 for a potential bootleg. Yeah. Right. And I noticed like upon further inspection in that same bin, there were a lot of others. And then I just went to look at the games and I I know how to spot fake games because I've been a victim of that before. That's how I learned. And I make it my mission to know how to spot a fake game so I don't buy those anymore. He had a copy of Pokemon Blue that didn't have the official artwork on it, which would have been fine if it was the official case or the official cartridge. This is how this guy defends it to me. First, I noticed the artwork and I kind of look at it and he saw me look at it like kind of weirdly. And he's like, oh yeah, we refurbished all of the, uh, all of the labels and everything. And I would have I bought that if I hadn't looked up. And if you see anything but Nintendo Game Boy on the top of the Game Boy cartridge, 100% fake. This just said game. <laughs> that is, oh my God. The, that game. Is well, that's straight to the point. Oh it is God. the Chinese knockoff brand. And I look at him and in the most like, you have got to be shitting me, excuse the language, voice ever. I was God. like, this isn't even a real cartridge. And he's like, uh, we refurbished the plastic too. And I was like, no, you don't. This is fake. And so I asked him for a card and he was like, oh, I don't have any cards. And I was like, what's your booth name? And he was like, uh, blah, blah, blah. he like dodged the question. I was like, you know, I'm going to report you. So I went ahead and whipped open my map and then went to con ops. Oh, <laughs> and I hope that we never see them again because he Good. was selling the collector that I mentioned earlier was selling Pokemon blue for 15 to $20. He was flexible on price. He told me if you bought other things, he would give you a break like $5 off of one thing. So legit Pokemon blue for 15 to $20. This guy was selling the blatantly fake knockoff for 35 Wow. Yeah, what? we definitely um, we definitely want to make sure that our listeners out there um, make sure at a con that you're not being taken advantage of. So if you, the more you can learn, like if you're a person that buys anime merch or video game merch or whatever, any anything related to that, uh, we advise you to educate yourself as best as you can on how to spot bootlegs because. Nobody wants to be taken advantage of, and we don't want yep. you to be taken advantage of. So right, that, yeah. and that's, not that's, even just not even yeah. just attendees, con runners. Like, I'm I'm helping to run a con as well. I caught a dealer at Famicom that was selling blatantly fake things, and he was selling them for like extraordinary prices. And I went to Joe immediately, and I was like, "Kick him out," because he's selling fake things for an extraordinary price. If you run a con; it is your duty to 
be incredibly strict on people selling bootlegs. Absolutely. Right. Right. Yeah. Because that, that can is definitely worst come back to thing. bite you. It can come back to bite you. It does not. It is the worst thing for your attendees. It will leave a sour taste in their mouth and it'll lose you money because they will not come back. Yeah. Especially when it comes to um, DVDs and games because that's pirating people. Mm -hmm. um, I also, on the bootleg thing, because um, bootleg figures, um, sometimes like really nice ones like Figma and uh, Nindroids are very easy to spot because they clearly do yeah. not have the normal logo and they look derpy as heck. Look for also, the Good Smile logo. Look for Good Smile yes. everywhere. Good Smile is wonderful. But also, the small little minor thing, rubber straps and acrylic keychains can also be bootlegged, but it's a lot harder to spot them because a lot of the dealers will have keychains and stuff out of the boxes. You know yeah. for certain if you're getting a blind box, which it is... A lot more is usually more expensive and it kind of sucks because you don't know if you're gonna get the character you want but if yeah. it comes in a blind box and it's still stuck in it you're pretty much good or if it still has the pl clear plastic wrapping that um, yeah, a lot of rubber keychains have so that the copyright you know. tag on those because a lot of those have those nowadays to avoid that mm -hmm. but the biggest just the biggest way to tell if something's bootleg for the most part if your deal seems too good to be true it is <laughs> <laughs> yep because yeah, I, uh, I had to check my see if my nindroid was correct i was like nope they all have good uh good smile we're good yeah <laughs> just educate it's yourselves and if you run a con be merciless on those people that mm -hmm. is my one request be merciless eliminate bootlegging it is a problem Mm -hmm. A slight diversion from my own point that we all just made and I just made, but I'm kicking myself every day for not buying that bootleg VHS tape of Spirited Away that I found at a con like two years ago because I would have loved to just have that piece of, of anime fandom history just on my shelf. <laughs> that is a piece of history, technically, yeah. Man, I, I could have used that on my panel if you had bought that. Right? Um, and Tori... You and I were at the thrift store a few weeks ago, and we found that copy of Digimon that was obviously yes. a bootleg VHS. God, <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> and, you know, I didn't really buy that because, you know, I'm not super into Digimon. It's not something that I have a fandom for. Um, but I hope someone that appreciates anime history and Digimon finds that tape and, like, puts it in their collection <laughs> because it was an absolute disaster. <laughs> yeah. But um, if nobody has any more topics on uh, the dealer's room, do we want to move on to Move on to what? Um, cosplay. Oh, yeah, sure. But uh, real quick before um, – well, yeah, let's, let's do cosplay, and then we'll do panels, and then we'll call it a day. Okay. Okay. All right, so um, any particular standout cosplays that you guys either did or cosplay trends that you noticed or really stand out cosplayers in particular that you got to see. We'll start with Tori. Um, so I didn't really, I don't take a lot of pictures of cosplay much anymore. Um, I'm kind of in the mindset of like, well, I'll see it online. So I don't need to take a photo of it, which is bad. <laughs> don't do that. But um, there, there were a couple, there were a couple that stood out. Um, there was a really good Phoenix Wright. Um, awesome. yeah, the guy was really good. The one that had the objection sign. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was hilarious. Yeah. I saw, um, a friend of mine post, uh, this girl cosplaying Aqua's photo on Instagram and she was probably the most beautiful Aqua I've ever seen. Like I, I had a moment. She was so pretty. Um, let's see what else was there. Um, 
Wait, Aqua from Kingdom Hearts, I assume. Yes, right? yes, Aqua from Kingdom Hearts. Sorry, because the the one anime. Um, you saw the Kingdom Hearts family, right? Think what? You saw the Kingdom Hearts family. I did not see the Kingdom Hearts family. Yeah, there was a family, a family. There was a mom, dad, and like four kids. One of the the dad was Xehanort, which was wonderful. The mom was Aqua. The kids were Ventus, Kyrie, Nomine, and Roxas. Mm-hmm. Wow. And they so all cute. looked amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm so sad I missed that. I got um, a picture of it. I'll show it to you later. Good. Um, there were a lot of adorable promptos, so I was happy. <laughs> <laughs> what was your goal at this con, Tori? My goal at this con was to take a selfie with every prompto that I found, and I only took two. And then one added me on Facebook. Nice. From a different thread, and that's that's a whole different story that I will go into later. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, so yeah, every prompto I was supposed to take a selfie, and I was mildly successful, but not successful enough as I wanted to be. Hey, make it a, make it a stretch goal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I want to I want to drown in prompto. That's. That's my goal. Um, anyway, anyway. Um, there were a lot of excellent uh, Torus from Dragon Maid. Like, oh two my of my there friends. Were, there were so many of them. Yeah, yeah. Two of my friends cosplayed really adorable Torus. It was so nice to see them because they just they nailed it. They looked great. Um, I'm trying to, like, remember because, like I said, I was, such, I was in such a, like, in and out of the real world state at Animazement that like I, I don't really remember much. What did you cosplay, Tori? What did I cosplay? Yeah. Yeah, what cosplay? was your surprise cosplay? <laughs> Best girl. Uh, my, Hold on, let my... me let me premise this real quick. Okay. Never saw it coming. All right. Really? <laughs> <laughs> Sarcasm? <laughs> no, no, it's a when she says it, anybody who knows will get it. I'm so sorry. I haven't played this game. I apologize. Okay. So anyway, I cosplayed Futaba from Persona 5. It was and, amazing. Um, what? And it was amazing. It, it was amazing. It was honestly one of the most comfortable cosplays that I've ever worn ever. And, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't an inconvenience at all, like most cosplays are, to wear it throughout the duration of the con. And um, at the same time, it was a nightmare because, like, I ordered all the stuff online, like, three weeks before the convention. And I was like, you know what? Like, it, it might not get here. That's okay. Whatever. And then, like, I went to go pick it up at home Saturday night, and I forgot the shirt. And I was so tired. I just had, like, I had a moment, and it was bad. But it all worked out, and I got to cosplay. So. <laughs> Real quick, just like advice for anybody out there. Don't, don't wait me. three weeks. Don't wait three weeks. Just get it like months in advance so that doesn't happen. Tori got lucky. Also, three months at least. Yeah. yeah. Also, well, well, all of my stuff was coming from U.S. based sellers, so. Oh, okay. Yeah, if you're gonna like Taobao that junk, you want to order it like several months ahead of the con. But uh, also mental checklist like five times before you leave uh in the words of austin mental checklist because you yeah. will forget something always and forever so that is my favorite phrase in the english language mental i'm pretty <laughs> sure i'm pretty sure that he would tattoo that on my forehead at the frequency of like times i forget things <laughs> <laughs> i will tattoo it on all of you personally <laughs> right on my forehead just like so you know. 
But um, yeah, my I had a lot of fun with the cosplays at the con this year. Um, my cosplay lineup, my Thursday one, I'm gonna call it a cosplay just because of the story oh, yeah. behind it. Oh so, boy! <laughs> real quick sidebar. Um, <laughs> on the AZ page, we like to make fun of it a bit because twor- two like come upcoming on the con, everybody loves to post. Here's a picture of me. Who should I cosplay? And we were just having like a ball, just like making jokes about that one day. And then we were all at a gathering and we had <laughs> Jackbox Party Pack 3. Yes, John is laughing for a good reason. <laughs> and in you just recognize what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And in that game, there is a game where you can make shirts. You oh, scribble man. random crap, you caption random crap, and you put them together and you make a shirt. One of our friends made one. <laughs> With a poorly scribbled dat boy <laughs> with the caption, what should I cosplay? <laughs> Go to I hell. made the horrible hmm, decision of getting that shirt. <laughs> and I wore that on Thursday while I was picking up my badge. And I had about a dozen people like get the reference, but then ask me why there was a poorly scribbled dat boy. And I told them the story. <laughs> like, that is perfect. It's a very Mistakes happen. Yeah. But... So that was my Thursday. My Friday, I went as Bananya, and Ooh. that was fun. A lot of people like n- recognized me, or they were just like banana, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> the weirdest thing that happened with that, though, like, yes. oh god, prepare yes. for cringe. Like this is like, <laughs> this is the cringiest thing that has ever happened to me in my life. Oh, I got one after. Brian, um, yeah, um, I'm gonna make a pledge right now that if Borderline ever gets big enough so that we can make T-shirts and people actually buy them. We will recreate the Dat Boy shirt and make it available on our website. <gasps> yeah, we will do that. Yes. <laughs> so if you guys want that shirt, and Ryan, you, you'll see it. Ryan, Ryan can post a picture of it up on our Facebook page and the website and whatever. If you guys want that shirt, if enough of you get together and tell us that you want that shirt, we will make it available. <laughs> Link in the description of me and the shirt. Or um, um, do what your dad said, Ryan, <laughs> make a Patreon. <laughs> Right. I think I think John had a thought real quick before you guys wanted to jump into that. Oh yeah, just that I like I love comfortable cosplays. There, there's a reason I keep wearing the Nagito one from Danganronpa Two. Like, a I love the character, and B that is the comfiest cosplay. Like I used to yeah. go with Sudako, and that thing was just so. You have a great story <laughs> that cosplay that you might tell one day. One day. But but anyway, um, I gotta fix your Back to the cringe, real quick. So as Benanya, some girl who was. Very, she had a vibe about her. Let's just put it that way. She came up to me and she was just like, oh my God, Benanya, you've been my cosplay crush. And I was like, thanks. Like, I wasn't really sure how to respond. Wait, like she was crushing on you or crushing on Benanya? I'm not sure. Oh no, that makes it worse. (laughs) No, no, this makes it worse. She told me, oh my God, I would love to peel you. And I was like... (laughs) I'm done. Sprinting. I became the Flash. (laughs) I was just like, I want nothing to do with what you're into. Oh my goodness. (laughs) It was the weirdest experience I ever had. I mean, the one that I (laughs) had. You sure about that? Uh, That beats Sans, yeah. Oh, wow. The, um, The one that I had wasn't as terrible, but it's kind of one of those like, it builds up and then you think on it and you're just like, ugh. Cause like on Sunday, um, you and Austin were talking to Dan at Lost Ark on the, at the booth. 
Yeah. And I like I turned around and I locked eyes with this guy at this, the tables that were behind us. Uh-huh. And um, I don't want to delve too much into the interaction just in case. I don't know. This guy listens to this one day. But like <laughs> we talked for a second. And everything seemed normal. And he was like, oh, yeah, can I get your picture? And I was like, yeah, dude, no problem. So I set my stuff down, took my picture and like we chatted for another second. And then just like very low. He's just like, it's always good to get a picture with my and i was just like oh oh. <laughs> he just killed the moment like he, he did he did left and it. i just like i just like rolled my eyes and turned back around and i was like oh no <laughs> yeah that's the problem of pardon me while i throw up <laughs> absolutely God. final cosplay like... thing that i wanted to mention though um on fr- on saturday sorry oh yeah I went in my Saiyan armor that I mentioned, and the reason that I even made that is in honor of Canadian Rob, who committed suicide earlier this year. And he was a huge part of the cosplay community, especially in Animazement. He was the Nappa, the Armstrong, and just like he did a whole bunch of things, and people loved him. And my friend Michael organized a photo shoot in memorial for him. We had a guest book to sign. We were going to include the photos in that and send that to his family just to show them, like, this is how many people cared about Rob. Right. And that was a really sad situation that happened not not too long before the convention. So it was about two months. Yeah. Yeah. But really, really sad. That was like a really great moment. We did <laughs> Rob's favorite thing to do when he was um Armstrong was the have you seen my elephant? Which is like he had ears like this. He had tusks like this. And he uh-huh. went that way. And you do the flexing motions and all that. We did pictures of those, and we all screamed it at the top of our lungs, and it was so much fun. It was great, and I really want to see how those pictures turned out. The photographer still hasn't gotten those to us yet, but that was the reason. That is the only reason that I made that cosplay, and honestly, I'm really glad I did because it turned out really well. Yeah, and it was really cool. Yeah, it was a really. It was just. It was great. Just a great way to get closure for everybody, and. Just it, it was a nice thing for us to do for his family. Like, I really hope that they appreciate that. Yeah, and I'm sure that they did. Yeah. But <laughs> at the same time as that was going on, the overshoot was going on. And I saw this Orissa in the Null Sector skin that was easily the best cosplay I saw at this con because I saw him put himself together. Oh, wow. <laughs> he had about 15 different parts that he was buckling into himself and i was like how long did this thing take you to make and he was like eh we can change and i was like oh because that's how long this armor took me to make and it's wow. like <laughs> and he was just like well it looks really good i've just been doing this for like years and i'm a design student i was like more power to you that looks amazing that's amazing that's cool i will yeah. say there was a lot of awesome overwatch cosplayers especially the two lucio like female lucio kind of characters they didn't have the helmets but they had like the bodysuit like the uh it was the it's his like the frog-headed one and then um the female roadhog was just awesome i actually finally got to see her i was like please i want to see your cosplay yeah i quick saw her the lucio the lucio with the speaker in his leg was like amazing i love that guy was so much fun to talk to yeah quick thing about that um um our our member bill doesn't really go to a whole lot of conventions he'll go to like a few uh, throughout the year um but he always makes a point every time any of us go to conventions he at least asks me every time i go 
to tell him like what are the big cosplays of that particular year. And in my observation, and you know, Tori, we we talked about this a little bit, um, and we kind of came up with our own list of mm-hmm. like the things that we saw the most at Animazement this year in in terms of cosplay. Yeah. Um, much super high on the list. Um, JoJo, surprisingly, a mm-hmm. huge amount of JoJo cosplay. Oh yeah. Persona Five was just blew me out of the water. How much cosplay from that there was yeah just yeah and that hasn't even been out for a few months yet but so many cosplays from that about 50 percent of them were for talba as well right that's very true. Yeah. <laughs> that or but i was the only one that mattered <laughs> your best Futaba. they all were really good actually like yeah you're right for as short as that game's been out all the cosplays for persona 5 were like amazing. i know it's radical dude like i am uh, you cut out tori Oh, no. I, I guess you're done for now. Yeah. Okay, try again. okay, cool. Sorry. Oh, um, I am never surprised at how fast, like, people either make or, like, how fast those, like, cosplay websites will put up costumes after something has aired or come out. Like, just to, just to kind of throw back, like, you guys are going to hate me for this, but, like, when Homestuck was a really <laughs> big thing, um, like, the panel could be up for, like, half an hour, and somebody will have already constructed a cosplay from it. Like, it's nuts Jeez. the way some people work. Like, mm-hmm. See, like... I, I honestly the... am still amazed by it, and I'm glad that I am, just because it makes it that much better. Like it's just like, yeah. oh my god, that looks amazing, and this has yeah. only been out for like 30 minutes. Like, oh yeah, my god. yeah. Like speaking of Overwatch again, but I know there was a I can't remember the name, the exact name of the skin, but it was um, Hanzo's like brand new skin from the anniversary event. I was like, oh yeah, this game, the the skin's only been out for like what two days. <laughs> And you already have the costume done. I really wanted to get. It's funny, tracers. actually. I really want to get tracers done, but I was like, I can't get that wig in time. So yeah. that was really the only thing that was stopping me. So like, it's it, funny, dude. actually, that you mentioned the Hanzo one specifically. I spoke to that person, and they actually have been working on that since before that skin was revealed. What? Because, yeah, if you look at it, though, it's very resemblant of the young Sparrow skin for Genji. Like, it's very mm-hmm. much stylized off that. And mm-hmm. they said that they were doing it with their partner. They were. They wanted to stylize it like that so they could have matching cosplays. And I was like, that worked out just like perfectly for you. And they're like, yeah, yeah. I just make minor alterations. Like, wow. Okay. Like, so that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, <rad. laughs> yeah. Um, any just... other big um, cosplay um, oh. presences that you guys noticed other than the ones that I mentioned? There was a there was a really tall guy walking around cosplaying a gender bent version of Diva in her police officer uniform. I saw that, and I was just like, I am not worthy. (laughs) (laughs) The one cosplay that I did actually want to shout out, I wanted to shout out to my friend Sierra. They did a Jinx and Raven duo cosplay, and they were they were amazing. (gasps) Yeah, they saw them. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen pictures of them like all over, and they're they both are like really proud that people loved it because they put so much time into it. So, and what other cosplays did you guys see a whole bunch of? God, I I took a lot of pictures, like a lot. <laughs> oh, one of the cosplays that made me, um, my fangirl heart just so happy was I was just walking back down to go to a second autograph section, and there was this group of kind of like DC cosplayer and I noticed instantly I was like 
oh my gosh, it's a Tim Drake cosplayer. I was like, oh yeah. Ah, so I walk up to her and I was like, can I please take your picture? And they're like, me? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and the Jason behind them, they were like a dead Jason, which is kind of sad. For those of you who know DC, um, they're kind of like a beat up dead Jason. They're like, you want to take a picture with the worst Robin? I was like, this is the best Robin. <laughs> what are you talking about? You're the worst Robin. <laughs> but I was just bantering with them. And uh, I, I probably made like, I probably made their day because no one probably knows like, that much about Tim Drake, especially in the anime community. So yeah. it, it inspired me to get my Tim Drake cosplay done. It's quite easy next year. Yeah, in a similar vein, actually, I got super happy. Um, I saw a group of DC cosplayers, and for anybody who doesn't know, my my three absolute favorite DC characters are Nightwing, Green Arrow, and Deathstroke in that order. And I saw all three of them in a group. Wow. Oh. And I was I was immediately just like, picture now, please. This is amazing. <laughs> and so I was just like, every single one of you, I eventually want to have a cosplay for. So you just made my life. Thank you so much. And they were just oh. like, and we talked about like rebirth for like 40 minutes. <laughs> so I think we want to start wrapping up here real quick. So if anybody else has any final thoughts about cosplay, uh, go ahead and say them right now. Otherwise, we'll get into general final thoughts about animazement. Panels. Oh, yeah, panels, right. Let's panels, let's do dude. that. Duh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, we got, we got so, yeah let, let me start real quick. Let's so, move into that topic. Yeah, so um, let me pull up my list real quick of all the panels that I went to or marked that I wanted to go to and didn't wind up doing. So but, um, while you do that, um, let Marissa go ahead and talk about her panel that she put on uh, this year. Unfortunately, a lot a, a considerable amount of borderline uh, folks, um, we, we weren't sure if we were going to be able to go, so we did not submit panels uh, this year. But Marissa did, and just tell us about how your panel went and what you did and all of that stuff. Uh, okay, so I, my panel was about the sword history behind the characters from Token Rambu, uh, the Nitro Plus and DMM game. So it was supposed to be two hours um, because I'd done a one hour slot at Triad and it was kind of my test run because I wanted to see how much I could really put in because I'm one of those people that just keeps delving too much and wants to nerd out with everyone and be like, look at all the fun facts that I found about swords and then bore everyone to tears because being a history major, that's my thing. I do lecture-based things. I don't do fun comedy routines, John, which you specialize in. I can't do comedy very well. Uh, I had some jokes this time, but... Um, I really wanted to improve upon that because I was very nervous at Triad. Um, and Marissa, I uh, the had opening about... of your panel was like so great. Like I'm, Thank I'm you. sorry that I couldn't stay for the whole thing, but um like Reasons. the way you opened it up compared to the way you opened it up at Triad was yeah. a great improvement. It was awesome. Um, thanks to everyone in Borderline and especially Sully and John, because you guys were like my biggest critics when it came to improving my panel. And I really appreciate that um, because I added more summary because I kind of just jumped into it last time and it didn't really segue very well. But right. um, well, like the person told us at the how to panel panel, you're going to fail, but you made improvements. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Especially because I knew Chad was going to be, it was a 
big old test. I was just trying to make sure what, how much I could yeah. put in. So because I had so much information that I wanted to cover, I made it two hours long. But because of whatever happened, um, our friend Jesse, she was kind of like my timekeeper. And we unfortunately ended uh, 30 minutes before my time ended. I felt a little bit rushed if you do, if you guys do watch the full panel later. I think we're going to post that on our YouTube page eventually. Um, you'll notice at one point I'm just starting to like kind of get through the information because I wanted to cover everything, but I still had 30 minutes. <laughs> but at <laughs> well. the even despite all of that, um, at the very end, so many people came up to me and said, uh, one girl even told me that this was the best panel she'd ever seen pretty much, or like maybe at AZ that year, but she said it was super organized, everything flowed, and she really enjoyed it a lot. And that was a big compliment to me because, Good. Uh, yeah, because Tangent Town can be a thing <laughs> when yeah. you start getting nervous. Definitely. And there was a group of, there's three girls that uh, came to my panel in Token Rambu cosplay, nice. and it made me really happy. And they even said, when they found out there was a Tokunambu panel. They completely changed their cosplay plans and wore the their costumes that day. So they'd come to my panel in costume. And it was Aww. super sweet uh, to hear that. And I just started talking with a lot of them afterwards on like sword history and the game. And it was just a it was a lot of fun. So right. Yeah. But um, I went to a few panels. Friday, honestly, I did not have the best experiences. The panels just didn't resonate with me. I went to the World of Monster Hunter panel, though, and I absolutely loved that. It was so much fun. And they actually knew what they were talking about, which is really rare for that franchise. Um, <laughs> but I also found out, and John and I were both ecstatic about this, that day they just happened to announce that Monster Hunter Double Cross is coming to the Nintendo Switch. So we were... Yeah, we were we were that. <laughs> we were that. You sound like a dying pig, John. That's the noise that we're opening the podcast with. <laughs> I went to I went to anime hell at night and honestly I wasn't that impressed by that because it was just I a bunch heard, of cringe videos. I heard from a lot of people this year that anime hell was the weakest it had ever been. Yeah. Uh, they they didn't do a good job and I normally like that, but it was it was off putting this year and I I left like twenty minutes in. Um, but Saturday was a really good day. I went to um, I went to Marissa's panel, obviously, and she killed it. We went to the Funimation Industry panel, and that was that was eye opening. They showed a lot of cool stuff. They showed some some stuff they're working on. We're going to be doing a write up of that a little bit later, so keep that, an eye out uh, for that. That Ninja Slayer trailer is probably my favorite trailer they've ever made. <laughs> that was yes. amazing. Yeah, I went to the Frieza versus Frieza panel, and that was a lot of fun. Um, Dave Vincent had a really cool panel about voice acting. He like interacted. with the people and we basically read lines and he let us do the voices and it was a lot of fun uh i unfortunately did not get picked but i hoped i did but uh it, it was fun like i liked listening to some people's interpretations despite how horrible some of them were but they did it horrible on purpose just because they wanted to be funny um sunday i had so many things that i wanted to go to but we were doing a lot that day so i didn't have time um, but the one thing that we did get to go to was the Building a Better Panelist panel, which was held by AZ staff. And for all of us, that was just beyond eye-opening. Like, we learned so much more about just how to pitch our panels, not even necessarily how to build them. And we learned what people are looking for. And for me, that's going to make 
making my panels like a lot easier just because I'll be able to tailor it more to like the con staff while still getting across my ideas. Yeah, and um, like I, I actually got a lot out of it too. Um, and I'm glad they do stuff kind of like, cause like, as you guys know, I, I do the, I had a level up panel, but like, it's fundamentally different. Like I, I focus more on like the actual building of the panel and how to actually kind of make it more entertaining and accessible for your audience. And they've more focused on like, yeah, as you said, like how to actually pitch it so that you can actually perform it and the kind of things. They right. Look for. Yeah. And like, I, I find it interesting that and like, yeah, like yours is vastly different, but yours is also a lot more humor based, which, yeah. Yeah, but that was my experience with panels. I honestly thought that they were pretty solid. I unfortunately did a pretty poor job of managing my time this t this year, so I didn't really get to go to all the things that I wanted to, which kind of annoys me, but at the same time, I'm not going to dwell on it. I did have a lot of fun, mm -hmm. but a lot of people online have been complaining about the panels, so I posted a thing a couple days ago, and I think the rest of you kind of followed suit. We're going to be trying our best to produce at least two to three panels each to pitch to Animazement for next year, just because we actually care about making panels great. So we want to keep that train rolling. We don't want people to like stop doing panels or we just don't want this con to crumble because people aren't encouraged to do panels. Right. Definitely. Mm -hmm. I kind of agree with what some of the people did say when I was um when it came to the lackluster um roster of panels when I was looking through about a couple days before trying to add things to my guidebook so I knew what I was doing and trying to plan everything out not very many of them actually caught my eye and I don't know why um they just kind of were just like those generic basic anime like based ones just kind of like anime hell and stuff like that which i don't typically like to go to but even some of the more cultural based and informative ones jesse and i walked into a music of japan panel and we thought it was going to be really interesting and just lots of uh sound clips like uh andrew's yukikajira panel but we walked in and we were in there for like no more than two minutes and um, my brain was exploding because it sounded like AP music theory back from high school. And I was like, this is not, I'm hoping this is not how my informational panels are because I don't want to just like want to make sure that I'm still entertaining them and not boring them to death with facts that <laughs> they don't understand. I want to give enough context because Japanese history is not something that we typically cover. Right. So, Overall, yeah. though, I think that the panels have potential to grow. And like, since a lot of mm -hmm. people are now motivated to do them because they want to see better panels, I think next year might actually be a really good year. <coughs> Definitely. Yes. I agree. Yeah. And, um, I think it was um, uh, wonderful that, you know, um, to do uh, new panels, um, do um, be first time panelists, um, and really bring out their A game for, um, for the next. Um, animazement and the next cons coming up yeah what is that austin oh yeah uh speaking of that um our next convention event that we're doing is asheville anime regional convention up in where is that again john asheville it's in asheville <laughs> and, oh i thought that was up not in, uh, to be confused with ashboro 
Oh, you mean yeah. Trashboro? Um, yeah. Our um, friend of, good friend of Borderline, uh, Tobias, is the panel director up there at, um, at ARC, and uh, he has invited us to come and do a whole bunch of panels. So um, we're doing we're six. Be doing six, yeah. So we're yeah. super excited for that, um, bringing out some old classic panels, um, especially some that Andrew hasn't done in a while that are really good, um, and a bunch of new panels as well. And um, we're going to really try and bring our A game for that one mm -hmm. um, and really give you guys a wonderful time. So if you guys want to trek up to Asheville, um, let me check the date for that convention really quickly so I can tell you exactly when it is. It is the 29th of July. July 29th. It is a one-day con um, up it's in Asheville. It is a Saturday. And um, um, I've been to ARC one time, I think. John, you've been. I went last time? year. Yeah, last year. Um, mine was two years ago, but um, it's it's a con that's been uh, growing very slowly and steadily, but mm -hmm. it's it's been going very consistently. I think this might be its third or fourth year happening, and um, it's a con that I really enjoy being at, even though it was just for one day. Uh, whenever I went up there, they had Tiffany Grant as a guest, and we got to talk to her for like 30 minutes just about Evangelion and about her experiences working on it. Like one-on-one, -on -one, like we got to just stand there at her booth and just talk to her just like we would have a conversation with any other person. And that was honestly one of the best and most unique um, experiences I have ever had at a convention in my life. And that was yeah. super. And that happened at ARC. And um, it's a small con, but it's really fun. And we hope to see you guys there. Um, mm -hmm. And we'll be, like we said, we'll be bringing our A-game. Um, but do you want to go ahead and plug which panels we're doing real quick? Personally, I am doing what is the anime that saved anime, and we're going to be using real evidence, not just like that anime is terrible and I like this anime because reasons. I'm actually going to delve and get scientific up in here. So oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm doing so that Ryan one. Has and he yeah. might make William walk out again. <laughs> if he goes. Um, Doubtful. Andrew is doing uh, his Don't Talk to Me About Madoka Magica panel. Um, John, what are you doing? I'll be doing my How to Level Up Your Panel panel. Uh, as I mentioned before, it's more about like making your panels entertaining and learning how to connect it with your audience so that you can get more retention and uh, 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 your audience members and whatnot. Yeah. And uh, Andrew's doing another panel anyway. about Revolutionary Girl Utena. And I'm doing two panels, uh, one about... Uh, anime films. Um, I'm going to talk about 10 anime films that um, you may have been recommended before or maybe not recommended before that you probably haven't seen. Uh, like a lot of people, whenever they put on like their top 10 list of anime films that people should watch, it's like, oh, Akira. Oh, Spirited Away. Oh, you know, Grave of the Fireflies or something like that. And while all of those oh, movies we? deserve to be watched, um, this list is probably is going to be a list of you know, movies that you may not have been recommended already or have seen already. So um, that's going to be pretty fun. And I'm doing my Gynax history panel too. All right. Well, I think that's all the time we've had. We've run really long with this one, but AZ was definitely a good experience this year. I had a lot of fun personally, even if a lot of people rated it as a fairly lackluster one. But um, any final thoughts? Um, I don't really have any. Just uh, thank you guys so much for listening and um, make sure to follow us on social media for all of our updates. And from all of us here at Borderline Panels, Kofifi. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh no. Had to, I'm sorry.
All right. Bye. Thanks so much for listening, everybody. Bye. Bye. <laughs>